show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Hey, Bridge. Yes, what's going on? I'm so happy we're recording in person again. I miss your beautiful face. I am so excited to have you in our in our in-home studio. And I love that you tested negative for COVID. So that's extra exciting. <laughs> Do you remember the first time? So the first time I recorded the Jess, she had this whole like sanitization station. She put a sanitization right next to me. She kept on saying like, according to the CDC, you should do X. Like I felt very safe. And I'm happy that I am still negative. I am a little crazy when it comes to the COVID and being being COVID careful, as I like to call it. So talk to me about what the latest is with Trader Joe. I haven't heard about him in a while. So Trader Joe's doing good. I've been a little crazy lately. Uh Uh-oh. I know. It's so crazy because I am a very sane, normal human being. I have a lot of things going on. Yeah, can I just paint a picture for everybody right now? Like you are, you're always polished. Like I feel embarrassed if I like don't have my lipstick on. You're very polished. You come in very, you know, successful woman. You run businesses. But yes, you do say that you sometimes get kind of excited about relationships. Well, because I hate not being good at things. And I've been perpetually single since probably I was born. I think I've had one or two boyfriends ever. And so it's not like I have all this time, right? But whenever I start dating someone that I actually like, I'm like, okay, how do I like build my schedule around him when I think he'll be free? And then you're like, okay, I think he's going to ask me out on a Thursday. So therefore, I'm going to do all my like business meetings on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then if they don't text you until like Wednesday night, and then they can only do Friday. It ruins literally, literally. Like when you think like, okay, he's going to text me on Sunday and he's going to make a plan for Thursday. Like it literally ruins every moment of my time until I get that text with the plan. And then you're different than me. Like if I have to wait on it, I just get angry and ignore it. So I get very triggered when I don't I can't figure out my plans until like Tuesday of that week because that's just not how I operate. But as you can sense, like I do get a little crazy, especially with that. And it seems like you do, too. I'm not even that busy. I just like need to like plan my hair around seeing people, what I'm eating two days beforehand, if I'm going to do a crash diet. Like there's a lot that goes into my like lifestyle side of it. But like I'm not like it's not about a schedule being too full. Okay, so let's talk about it then. What do you do in that situation? Say that you're trying to plan your schedule on a Sunday like we all do. You're building out your week and you haven't heard from him. Do you adjust immediately once you hear from this person or do you hold out on it? So that's like my default is like if I can make it work and say like I can meet you at 830 after my event, I will. Just because it's like if I want to see him, I'm going to go see him. Like I'm not about like, oh, I'm too busy. Even if he doesn't want you there, you were at his door, you were buzzing that code and you're just kidding. Let me in. (laughs) Let me hang out with you. Do you love me? (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) Jess, so I'm actively hiring for my company and I'm genuinely obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink. Not only are they a tech recruiting firm, but they're kind of like professional matchmakers. Oh my gosh, I am also obsessed with our show sponsor, MillenniLink, but tell me why they are professional matchmakers. They're matchmakers in the sense that they work with the businesses, understand their like long-term vision for the company, and create this whole workforce plan for the business. And they're there to understand what the long-term plan is for the company. And then on the flip side, they work with employees, do some professional branding, understand their strengths and weaknesses, and create relationships between companies and prospective employees to make sure it's a really good fit. MillenniaLink has a pool of talent coming from the U.S. and Canada that have been living or working or educated in both places, and now... They've been laid off. They're sitting at home. They're looking for new employment opportunities. And MillenniaLink is ready to link you up with those tech and IT professionals. 
One thing that is so great about this business is just how easy it is to use. So you just hit the link in our bio and immediately you will be connected to a recruiter. From there, they will go through all your employment needs with you. And the best part about it is you pay salaries in Canadian dollars. And what I learned, which I thought was pretty cool, is that many of the companies that work with MillenniLink aren't necessarily tech companies. They're companies of all different industries that need tech and IT professionals. So whether you're a part of a small business, medium size, or large enterprise, tech needs are more in demand than ever before. So reach out to the link in our bio, talk to the MillenniLink team, and see how they can better support your business needs and your future goals. Welcome to today's episode of Cake for Breakfast. Cake for Breakfast is a mix of the news you need, biz, stocks, and tech, and the news you want, celebs, gossip, and beauty. Welcome to Cake for Breakfast. Today on the show, we're talking hashtag free Britney, Apple being a trillionaire, and Ellen Can's three top executives. All right, let's start today with the Britney Spears update. New court documents filed in LA show that Britney wants Jody Montgomery to continue as her conservator. Conservator? I don't know. Conservator. That's a hard one. I mess it up Conservator. every time. <laughs> Conservator. So Jody, and again, I don't know if Jody's a guy or a girl. I looked into this, couldn't find any answers on it, but we're just gonna call call her Jody for now. So Jody is Spears' longtime caregiver, and she took over from her dad last year when he fell ill. And one thing to note here is Britney Spears is strongly opposed to having her dad be the sole conservator. But do we know that for sure? Because I feel like there's so many restrictions to this agreement that it's really hard to understand what Britney really wants from it. And because I think there's so many, she can't be technically on social media. She can't be communicating publicly about this agreement. Um, so I just wonder, like, what, like, how do people know what she's saying versus what everyone else part of her squad wants her to say you mean what does Brittany want or what does like her mom and her brother and everyone else are telling her they're telling her to vote for jody and you're saying what does Brittany actually yeah because i so we've heard from her brother or like even her sister has talked about Brittany, but it's all from second sources the boyfriend but you never get Brittany's update right she's not like she can't do it into story and be like hey guys so tonight i'm feeling really down about my conservatorship because my dad's been a total asshole like you have no idea like yeah. we are just speculate based on what everyone else is saying and these all all every single person that we talk about they're financially tied to this agreement they have financial gain from a certain direction in which it goes you're saying yeah yeah well can i tell you my take like what i actually think is happening here i actually think her dad he's 68 i think he's very sick he got very sick last year fell ill was hospitalized that's why she pulled out of one of her vegas tours so my feeling is that he's sick and she trusts jody and she's she doesn't want if her dad falls ill or dies she doesn't want this falling in the hands of a state or somebody else that what about control. her mom they tried to file for her mom i didn't find anything on that but one the reason this is coming to the surface again like this is following the free britney movement on the last trial is um the date in which montgomery's rule ends as the as the sole leader of her estate is august 22nd and at that point the job gets sent down to her dad Here's what I think about this situation. Why can't we just take our claws out of it for six months and let Britney run free? Like, why does she constantly have to be barred down by this thing that she's been under since 2008? And what we talked about last time when we covered this whole situation is that usually people in conservatorships. Conservate. Conservate. We are butchering this word, but you get it. (laughs) So usually it's people who are in comas that can't like operate as human beings. But meanwhile, Britney pulled in I think over 54 million dollars in her last tour in her last Vegas performance 
ever, she pulled in $1.1 million. So obviously she knows how to dance. She knows how to move her body. Yeah. She has to like think at, you know, to a certain capacity. So I think it's just weird that she's and her, been under this. And her Instagram life. videos are edited. Like, it's not just live. Like, there's editing that goes into those crazy videos. Well, there is a conspiracy that they are saying that a lot of um, people who are behind the Britney empire are putting out these crazy videos to show how unstable she is. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's interesting. Yeah, and it reminds me of the episode of Black Mirror where Miley Cyrus portrays Ashley O. Oh my God, you're so right. I forgot about that. So basically in this episode where Miley Cyrus portrays this pop star Ashley O, she's in a coma, but her dreams are translated through software where they're turned into song melodies. And so therefore, they keep her in a coma because she's creating such good content. Okay, this is so trippy. This is literally, and Miley gave some sort of a shout out to Britney's team or just like in, you know, on her socials or whatever and was like, yo, what's going on over there? It's a very eerie comparison. On a little bit more of a happier note, this next one I love because it's about entrepreneurship. You love entrepreneurship. That yes, is your zone. Yes, I e-breathed. When you sent me this story, I was like, yes, this is right up my story. Ethan Brown is the founder and creator of Beyond Meat, which is those burgers that look like a normal hamburger. No, it's just ground beef. You can buy it as like as like fake ground beef. Oh, can you? So it looks basically like meat. But in fact, it's actually made of vegetables. But he instilled like beet juice. So when you eat it, it bleeds just like real meat. Doesn't that sound disgusting? Yeah, but I've cooked with it. It's like, it's not my flavor of the month, but like it does give you the whole effect of ground beef. And so now you're seeing this uh, meat be used by KFC, Subway, Dunkin' Donuts. But he started this after leaving a energy saving company and used his savings account and his kids savings account to start Beyond Meat and now has investors like Bill Gates and has all these crazy partnerships with mega fast food brands. Okay, this company is amazing because it had like the biggest day pop. It was 163% on their IPO. Wow, that's like unheard of, right? It's like the biggest one of all time. Like, I mean, did the investment bankers just price it really low? Who knows? And like, maybe there was that kind of gain. But you look at all these like big, exciting companies coming out, Uber, Facebook, everybody sort of flopped on IPO day, like 163% gain that people were thirsty for this. Wow. And I love this story specifically because here's a guy who created this vegan burger and it sounds disgusting. No one wanted to touch what he's creating. I still think it's pretty gross, but it it turned out that he's now worth $400 million personally and Beyond Meat is worth $7.7 billion. What do you think is gross? Do you think the meat was gross? No, I think it's just gross where it's like, why are you spending so much time trying to make vegetables look like juicy, bloody meat? <laughs> anyway, but, I, but you know what? Like, it's not, a, I'm not, I didn't choose this story because I think the meat is really cool. I chose it because of Ethan and his story. Because in, in business school, they always tell you, focus on on talking to people and have focus groups and see if people actually like your idea before you invest time and money. But it shows that sometimes if your ideas are that revolutionary, people are going to think it's crazy until it's not. And I think there's a difference between not having the self-awareness and not listening to others' feedback versus not letting people get into your head and deter you from your business. So I'm currently developing a beauty product and it's hard finding that balance between listening to people and adjusting your product and your brand based on their feedback versus totally changing your idea to the point where you're changing it based on each person that you speak to. Yeah, and you really go out on a limb with 
your product with like focus groups, asking questions, you send emails, like you must get some people who are like, okay, Brittany, I don't want to do, I don't care. Right. Like, but I mean, that's part of being an entrepreneur is like, you have to push through the pain and the judgment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I always remind myself when I'm in these situations that like, not everyone's going to be my customer. And when I started Butini, I very early on said, I don't want to be everyone's something. I want to be someone's everything. And so as I go through these conversations and if people are like, oh, I totally do not get your idea, like I'm not into it, that's okay because I have to remind myself, like, why am I starting this company in the first place? And see, you know, be understanding what I'm willing to adjust in my business without losing sight of the fundamental mission of why I'm starting. Whew, I'm sorry, that is, I got goosebumps. You're like powerful. <laughs> I feel like you're like, I'm like in an MBA class and you came to talk. Do you do that ever? Like go to NYU or Columbia? Or yes, talk to classes? so I do speak at classes about it because I'm passionate about it. And, it's, and for me, like when I started Butini, I was a lot more naive. I started right after graduating from Babson where I would be very influenced by what people say. And now so that I've grown right? my yeah. backbone a little bit more of like, I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at listening. And so now it's like, I know what I want to build. I know I want to build a product for women like me. So if someone doesn't get it, if they have feedback, I 100% think it's incredibly valuable because that's how you create the best product. But I'm not going to change it for someone else. But bringing it back to Ethan Brown, the founder I love this quote. He said, it's really important to tether yourself to something that is bigger than who you are when you have unwavering conviction about something you are willing to be marginalized for a while. And so it's really about finding that bigger mission. So Sarah Blakely, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, she was all about not about just creating shapewear for women, but she had a mission of empowering and making women look and feel amazing while using her product. And so Jess, you like I feel like your story is so interesting to me because I started a business when I didn't have any money, so I wasn't giving anything up. And you I went were, corporate first. Yeah, you went corporate yeah. first. You had a mega successful career, and then you left to start a podcast in a completely different industry. Right. Well, so I always I, wanted to pivot. Like entertainment was always sort of like that big bright lights that I was like, bring me there, bring me there. And I was like trying to get there. But I loved working on Wall Street. I definitely was like locked in by the golden handcuffs for longer than I probably should have been there. But kind of around the COVID moment, I saw this big shift in the podcast movement, like these hundred million dollar deals. And I was like, this is the future of the medium. I feel like everybody's sort of moving over to this platform. And I know our platform is new and we're just getting started and we're just out the gate. But like, I just feel it in my bones that this is what we need to be doing. Like, this is bigger than myself. I want to be on this train. Podcasting is the next reality TV industry. Like, this is the this is the next next. And we've got, like, the well-oiled machine. So why not keep it going? But isn't it scary for you? Because you went from making all this money and then Oh, that's the this- worst. Like, the money shift is, like, because I love the money. I went right out of school to make the money. And I just, like, wanted more and more money. Like, that was the best part of life is, like, living in New York being a single 20 something and just having like a six figure uh, salary to dispose of, which was amazing. And I did do that, just dispose of it. So um, minus save it to try and build new businesses. But I mean, the startup world, the artist world, the creative world, it is not pleasant. It's not. We talk to people like we know all the time who are just getting freelance gigs here and there. You do everything you can to put the money together to keep building your dream. And I feel like this is like the right train I'm supposed to be on. This is what I feel most myself in. And I love that from your finance, where you're really focused on monies and trades and like data, you now like re 
I guess refigured it into this business. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, all right, what's our like downloads at? What are oh my god, our downloads at? are literally the ticker tape, and any sales traders out there will understand exactly what I'm saying because like it becomes an obsession watching it because it's like your money coming in, right? So it's like if it's down, you're stressing like, get it up. How do I get it up? What's the news? What what can I implement? What can I do to this to the system to make it better? So I, I guess my that. like obsession with I'm I'm a true uh, is saying like a capitalist bad like I'm a true like where's the money in it at heart? I'm not doing this for like oh, let's like be a joyous, you know, let's get everyone to hug and hold hands. Like that's not the person I am, but I just see so much value in this business. All right. Speaking of another big boss and a big somebody in the creative industry who made it right. There's not a lot, not like finance or consulting or these other businesses where there's like a greater platform to make it on. The creative industry, the entertainment industry, they're so narrow at the top. And like, who's at the top in daytime TV? But other than our favorite, Miss Ellen DeGeneres. So Ellen just, Ellen's show, you should say, although I love the headlines that are like, Ellen fires top producers. It's like, okay, there's definitely like a boss involved in an HR team. I don't think Ellen walked in and pointed her finger and shot them dead. But the Ellen Show's fired three top producers from her show after an investigation was done by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, who, of course, owns and runs her show. So, boom, that's a lot, right? We lose three executives. We're not losing Ellen. One way I look at this is like, Ellen is kind of too big to fail. Is Ellen a jerk, like we said last time? Yes. Is she mean to people? Yes. Does she need to go and sit down and have coffee with everyone and be their best friend? No. And where I really struggle with this is like, I started at 22 years old on like a very masculine, testosterone-driven trading floor. And actually the head of trading at that time was a female. She, two days on the job, she takes me into a private office very aggressively. And she's like, let me teach you about being a woman on a trading floor. If you ever even feel the urge to cry, you put your heel through your toe until the pain takes it away. Like, and then one day my mother bought me this uh coach handbag and she saw it on the floor she's like don't ever bring that label we're like one of the top trading floors in the world like that's sort of the emotion or and then she got all mad she said don't ever show me that again I like went to the bathroom and cried because obviously you can't cry in person and then the next day she came to the floor with like a brand new two thousand dollar Gucci bag for you for me she she was like trying to like show me how to be a boss she's like this is what you wear this is the standard this is the level but I mean I was like freaking out at my mother I was like how did you not know that coach is wrong (laughs) like she's like I don't know dang anyway um these people are part of a number one show like you're not number one because everyone's sitting around kumbaya holding hands you're number one because you're aggressive you're competitive you're number one in your industry and having been a part of something like that before I know the feeling and people aren't, you know, people should be nice, but not everybody's best friends. And I agree. I definitely turned a corner with this because last time we brought her up, I pushed against you saying that people should be nice and treat their teams with respect with the culture of being so transparent these days. Like it's going to show up and it's not going to be good for the brand. But I don't think small talk is necessary. Even when we do podcasts, sometimes I'm like, ah, like I'm in between meetings. Like, let's do this. Like, let's get into it. And I realize that She's incredibly busy. She does. She gets in. She gets out. She does her thing. She turns it on when the camera's on. She can turn it off when the cameras go off. And like that's her job. She's not. She's paying all these people to work. She's not paying them to be her friend. So are you saying when you come here, if I try and small talk, no, you're like, enough, Jess. Let's get into it. <laughs> Shit. No, no, no. I, I just like felt it where I'm like, wow. Like she has so much going on. She doesn't have that time or the capacity right. to do coffee dates with every person that works for her. Think of our podcast, like people that are working for us. If we come in and it's like, oh, let's, you know, sit and have like a, a, a conversation. Like you need, you're in the headspace. Like when we're in work zone, we're in work zone because we want to deliver great content to people who are taking the time to listen to us. Ellen 
Friends got what a hundred million viewers yeah. probably on like it's a little a different. It's a whole different scale, but it's the same concept of like you want to come in with the focus, and people are saying Ellen's not sitting down to give me a Christmas card. Well, you know what? Ellen's paying you your six, seven figure salary, so shut the f you up. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellen is too big to fail. That's my final opinion. So moving on, quarantine has not been... Moving on, you're over the LNA. It's time I'm to go on. to okay. I said what I said. I admit that I was wrong. I changed my opinion, Jess. Let's move on. Britt was wrong, and now we're moving on. I get it. I get it. So quarantine has not been great for most businesses, but a lot of the tech giants are actually doing incredibly well. Yep. One in particular is Apple. They are now worth 2 trillion dollars this is just gross to me and Isn't again they're sick? well they're the biggest companies in the world or the u.s they're the biggest company in the u.s of all time wow and so even amazon that we talk about microsoft who is reportedly potentially going to buy tiktok they're valued at 1.5 trillion google's just north of 1 trillion this just shows how the iphone has redefined how we live and between icloud iphone our computers like they've created this connection of products that you're either in this community or you're not. I just think tech owns us. Like, look at all these trillion dollar companies. It's all big tech. True. But what's pretty brilliant, because I always thought Apple didn't really market. You could see a few billboards, but you never see them on the subways or like aggressively advertising. But recently someone's like, uh, what? They actually have brilliant marketing. Don't you feel really uncool or poor when you don't have the newest Apple product? I was like, oh my God, yes, I get shamed if I don't have, like, air for the longest time, I never had AirPods. I didn't get it. I had normal headphones. And people would be like, oh my God, you would show up in public with those headphones. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, you kind of look poor. I'm like, Stop. Oh, my oh my God. And then I got AirPods and now I'm like, oh, she's wearing normal <laughs> headphones. Who is she? Oh and God. it just shows you, like, they're, they have this really crazy way of shaming people and making you feel uncool if you're not using their products and it makes it very easy for you to get your iPhone, use iCloud for your storage, get all the different training through all the different programs, get their computer and how interconnected their products are. It's very hard for you to like get out of their cult. Are you a tech savvy person? Like I learn what I have to learn but um, no one wants to have to go learn a new system. And even during quarantine, especially a lot of people who are now homeschooling their children, they need their own devices. And so they are seeing crazy sales during the time because not only are they using iCloud for storing photos now, but now that's where the documents and homework is being stored. The kids have their own computers. And so they're just getting bigger and bigger. Oh, because you're saying a, a family home is now not only investing in like mom and dad having their iPhones. Now it's like all the kids have to have it and they have to. I get what you're saying. So it's like 10, 20. Who's like the tech? You know, what's funny about my family. My dad's like the tech guy. Like I always have like the latest headphone, the latest this and that. Like do you have somebody like that in your family? Uh, no, quite the opposite. My mom like drops her phone in a smoothie one day and the toilet the next. Like she's like so like <laughs> and she's an engineer. So you'd think that she's tech focused, but she's like, wait, where is my fourth phone? Oh, it's my smoothie. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. You know what's funny with the the green Android phone is oh, like the best yes. of, uh, it has the best memes when it's like never text a guy back uh, if he texts you in green. I have this group of Russian buddies and they don't trust the iPhone system. They're like Russian quant, very smart dudes. And they're like, no, the Android does more. So maybe that's just more of like a tech person phone is the Androids versus the iPhone. I don't know, but the real question is, are you an Apple user? Obviously. <laughs> I wouldn't podcast with a non-Apple user. 
we're all about the markets today. We can't get off. We can't get off stocks talking big, big business. We do like that money. We do like that money. This one I found interesting. I want to lay it out really quickly. But Buffett is buying gold and he is selling the bank. So why is this interesting? Because it's it's often said that when there's an uptick in gold or uptick in demand for gold, it's an indicator of a bad economy. And Buffett unloaded the airlines. Yeah. I remember that all the hype around him Conference. selling the airlines because yeah. he thought that was like the most promising way to keep his investment during quarantine and then quickly sold them all. But guess what, Buffett? They've gone up since you late, since you dropped them because of Mr. Dave Portnoy, who has COVID, apparently. Oh, my God. He looks horrible. Oh, my God. He looks so Didn't horrible. your friend see him out in the Hamptons last weekend? Oh, my God. I got Oh, my God. I'm supposed to have dinner with her tomorrow night. Wait, I did you go warn up her. to him? No, I told her, I'm like, you go up and you, you know, you're a very beautiful girl. Get the confidence. Walk up and say hello to Dave. And she's like, I can't. He's with. She said he was really into the girl he's with. So. Uh, oh, man, that poor girl. She's probably like, great. Had a date with you, and now I also have COVID. <laughs> Dave was really pumping the airline stocks and the travel stocks, but but when Buffett kind of unloaded them, so he bought them on the cheap. Lots of people made money on that trade. But the thing that Buffett's also doing is unloading the banks, which is an interesting move. Banks are very secure; they not a lot of volatility. You know, they don't move a ton. Government influence, so they're pretty safe. And now he's unloading J.P. Morgan. He's unloading, I think, Morgan Stanley. Um, Bank of America, like he's just unloading all that and buying gold. So that just, it feels uncomfortable to me. Something's going on there. I don't, I don't quite understand. So talking about more money, our play of the day is Money Heist. So this originated from Spain and the character of the professor recruits a group of people to help launder and rob the National Bank of Spain. But this is done in not English. So just like forewarning oh my to everybody. Gosh. You know what's so embarrassing is I was watching it and there's a few seasons. It took me till season two to realize that they were dubbed. Like they weren't speaking English. Oh, so you got the dubs. So you got the English version or you just saw the captions the whole time? No, no. I heard it in English, but I didn't realize that their their mouths didn't match up to the word. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so this one is, it's not like a crime show, but there's a lot of like relationships that happen between the different robbers and you come to like really like them and you don't see them as bad people and so it's just interesting to see how they go about robbing a bank and also dealing with personal relationships who do you relate to on the show oh i love the hostage negotiator raquel she starts off really good she's cool and tries to figure out who the professor is but secretly she has no idea that she's actually dating him. <laughs> and there's definitely a twist at the end. So you have to watch don't tell all me, season. Don't tell I won't. But watch it. Honestly, why I started watching this is, do you remember like early days of COVID where Justin Bieber went live with fans every day? Oh, like fans, fans like people, not like fan, air no, no, conditioning? He would, yeah, not like his oh. air, he didn't go live with his air conditioning. No, he went live with actual fans. Oh. <laughs> sounds oh, like a, yes, I've seen that. That sounds like a weird porno, Justin Bieber going live with his air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> my water um but he him and all the fans were talking about like because he's like hailing and that Haley's upstairs yelling at me like i need to get up back up to bed to watch money heist so that's why i started i checked into it because i was like wow what's this show and did you like it too i liked it i'm not jumping up down about it i found it too hard hard it was just hard it was hard to understand wait but it's spoken they speak English. not because of that there's just so much going on oh so I like it a lot. Jess likes it. So if you listen, watch this, let us know what you let think. Let us know, yeah. And thank you to today's sponsor, Link. You can find more information and details in our episode description. And that is www.millennilink.com.